Welcome to A Little Wayward podcast coming to you from St. Therese Institute of Faith and Mission. I'm Jim Anderson, and today with me, uh, the great pleasure of having Rebecca Scubin. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Rebecca has been a student here for a couple of years, and she's currently doing her second year as an apostolic year uh, student. Are you enjoying that? I am. Actually, it's a, it's a beautiful work. I'm glad to be here. I'm definitely just learning more about myself as a person um, and enjoying being with this community. I'm just receiving a lot of life from being here. Awesome. I realize that was a bit of a loaded question. I say, are you enjoying that? What are you supposed to what say? Am I supposed no. To say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a terrible time. <laughs> I wish I wasn't here. <laughs> but I know that that's not true. That's good. You know, it's really great having you here. So uh, today, Rebecca, I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about something that you did a couple of years ago as a second year student, which our current second year students are in the process of doing, and that's the ISP. What does ISP mean right. generally, and what's it mean to you? Hmm. So in general, um, the ISP is an acronym for the Independent Study Project, which the second years um, take on. And it's a 20-page research paper um, where the students get to pick an idea that sparks their interest, that speaks to their heart. Um, and then they kind of have more or less free reign to explore that in the context of a research paper. Um, and usually it ends up being um, something that I find someone is either wanting to go deeper in something that, an idea that someone is struggling with um, and just wants to come to a deeper and more full understanding of. Um, mm -hmm. And what are some of the areas that uh, students have done ISPs in in the past, just generally? Mm -hmm, just generally. Um, often there's some on the lives of the saints, um, some on certain aspects of, of church teaching, um, the sacraments. There have been some on reflecting on um, different literary works and how that ties into um, Catholic truth. Mm. And in the context of the formation program, uh, what is the importance of, of this uh, area of unique and particular study the mm -hmm. student does? Well, I think, as you often say, uh, God does a project to accomplish a work. Um, and so often it's a matter of, um, of just integrating these principles that are being, that are being taught um, and really taking them to heart and integrating them into your own life um, through a way that's, that's unique and particular to you um, and to your interests. Excellent. Well, thank you. Um, what was the subject that you chose to research? Mm -hmm. So my ISP, the title was uh, Pustinia of the Heart in a Time of Digital Restlessness. Hmm. Um, and so Pustinia of the Heart is a, is a notion from Catherine Doherty, mm -hmm. um, Servant of God. And the word Pustinia means desert in Russian. And um, so it's this whole notion of going out into the desert to encounter God um, in the silence and in the stillness and how necessary that is in our world, which is, which is full of so much noise, particularly of the digital uh, variety. And increasingly so, mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. uh, there seems to me that there's you know, certainly over the past 10, 15 years, but even over the past year or two, mm -hmm. there's been an increase in this. But uh, maybe you would share just what were some of the uh, discoveries and findings that you made mm -hmm. uh, in your research? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think a few, a few key notions that, um, that I journeyed with, um, the first one just being um, this idea of in our, in our current digital environment that we're, that we're very much present to, um, there's an element of, of disintegration that we all face in that so much of our identity becomes wrapped up in what we project online. Um, and so much of, of who we are is, is fabricated um, for appearance's sake and how that undermines that our, our own understanding of ourselves and our own authenticity. Um, and that plays out into our relationships because generally most of our relationships um, have a significant element of, of being online and of being um, sustained through digital connection, and whether that's texting um, or various forms of social media. 
and how if, if we're not careful to have these things point towards authentic relationship, they can undermine authentic relationship. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was one of the key, the key things I wanted to address in my ISP. Um, and realizing that we just have to come to a place where we can um, use technology in a right ordered way, um, in a way that's actually ordered towards relationship and helping us to grow in relationship. Um, and what silence does is helps us to, to just kind of place those things aside um, and place, yeah, like if we're going to be using technology in right order, I think it's safe to say that most of us need to use it less. Mm. Um, and so be able to, being able to know when, when to put it aside and when to engage in authentic encounter um, or when to put it aside and, and to enter into prayer or into, into, to enter into silence um, and reflection um, and the importance of putting, a, putting aside distraction. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the distraction. Uh, in talking about the, uh, uh, the social media, mm -hmm. the internet, technology in general, perhaps we can put that aside for the mm -hmm. time being. You were mentioning about silence and you've mentioned about relationship. Mm -hmm and these two aspects. Um, maybe you could help us to understand, or help our listeners to understand, uh, in silence and relationship, how these tie into Pustinia. Maybe mm -hmm. develop the notion of, well, what is Pustinia generally? What mm -hmm. does Catherine Doherty teach from your understanding? Um, and then what does it mean to you as a young woman? Beautiful. Um, so when Catherine Doherty speaks of Pustinia, she's speaking in reference to um, essentially like a place where, where you go alone in solitude to encounter God. Um, and this is very literally <laughs> um, kind of captured in, in the idea of a Pustinia as being a little house, like a little cabin where you would go and spend time in prayer and in solitude. And where does Catherine get this idea from? Mm -hmm. So it's very much a part of, of Russian spirituality okay. in that um, in Russia there were Pustinics, which are people who dwell in the Pustinia, um, who would live in these, in these Pustinias and would spend a life of prayer and of fasting. Um, but there was like a certain aspect of availability in that whoever would come, they would just welcome in with this hospitality um, into that place of their encounter with God. And they would, they would willingly and openly receive. Um, mm -hmm. Now, uh, this is all coming from Catherine's book, Pustinia, mm -hmm. or largely that's, that yeah. was a major source for you. I know we teach that here at St. Mm -hmm. Therese and it's part, and you encountered that in your first year clearly struck you. What was the, one of the key thoughts at the time that you were first encountered the notion of Pustinia that caught your attention? Hmm. I think something in me was just, just saw that idea of Pustinia and realized that I was really hungry um, for, that, for that silence and that solitude uh, and that intimacy with Christ that I saw her presenting there. Um, and it was a matter of like, okay, well, how do I, how do I get there? How do I have that? How do I, um, how do I enter into that silence and into that relationship and intimacy with God? Hmm. Mm -hmm. And what does this mean then? Because you're speaking about uh, the Pustinia being an actual physical, you know, a cabin, mm -hmm. a place of retreat that the Pustinic, uh, rather like a hermit, would, would go mm -hmm. and, and encounter the silence and encounter God. Um, well, why is Catherine teaching this hmm. uh, in these days? Why did it appeal to you? What mm -hmm. does this mean to you? Hmm. Um, Catherine talks about it as a, very, as a very literal thing and as an external thing. Um, but she also talks about incarnating that in what's called the Pustinia of the heart. Um, which takes it beyond like that physical place where you go to be alone um, and kind of brings it deeper um, to a level where, you know, we're all called to have a Pustinia in our heart, which is just a place of silence um, where we encounter God and where we meet God um, and where we go about our day um, just in constant, in constant prayer and in constant union with Christ in the center of our hearts. Um, and that's what she's kind of driving at with this idea of, you know, these little Pustinia houses um, 
she's bringing it deeper and saying, you know, you bring your pristinia with you everywhere. Your pristinia is, mm. is within you. Hmm. Um, <laughs> now, you mentioned an interesting notion uh, that I'd be interested in exploring with you a little bit of the, the entering the pristinia and the pristinia of the heart to come into a place of silence, but also inviting people there for the sake of communion. Um, I'm, I'm thinking possibly the notion of Christian friendship, mm -hmm. the communion of persons. So how do you reconcile? Because there seems to be a, a, an apparent mm. disconnect or, or a, a tension between the idea of the silence and personal encounter with God and then inviting others into that space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's an interesting notion. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, in order to love and in order to be in relationship, we must first love and be in relationship with God. Um, and so in being, that, being in that space where we're encountering God and being with God, that enables us to welcome others in and love others more fully um, because we're in that, in that presence of God um, and we're learning from him how to love through that intimate encounter. And so it's, it's one thing leading to another. Um, and the more, the more available and open we are to God in the silence of our hearts, the more we're able to be open and available to others. Um, Yes. Okay. So um, at, coming into your first year, encountering the notion of Pustinia, and then uh, in the process of discerning and coming back for a second year prior to the decision for the ISP, how did you yourself uh, come to a deeper personal understanding of Pustinia in your spiritual life? And what was the fruitfulness of that for mm -hmm. you? What were some of the key aspects maybe? Mm -hmm. I think it's something that, um, that I really just carried forward in that was, was learning how to, to really enter and engage times of prayer. Um, and being um, especially drawn to just those times of silence, whether that was in adoration um, and developing an appreciation for just, for just being with Jesus um, and, and not distracting myself even just in prayer with like, okay, well, what, what can I read? What can I do? Um, and then that just kind of like creating noise around myself and around um, those times of prayer. Um, so just gaining an appreciation for, for just being with Jesus in the moment um, and in silence. Um, and also uh, a beautiful aspect of just of being here um, is the teaching that we have on, on what we call sacred space, um, which is that we don't bring technology or phones into our dorms to kind of just leave that place as a, as a place for, for rest and for encounter between roommates. Um, and so really just embracing that and seeing, how, seeing the fruits of that in my life, um, of having those places where there was like a very real silence um, of, not having, of not having distraction. Um, that was enabling me to encounter Christ in that silence and in that rest, um, but also being able to encounter others, like my roommates and the other women in community. Mm. Mm -hmm. I recognize in working with the students, there's always that, uh, that sense of discovery of mm -hmm. the value of silence. And I hear that that's what you're reflecting on, finding that silence in the middle of the day in chapel mm -hmm. uh, during adoration, the sacred space in the dorms and all these other periods of silence, which can be a major, sometimes startling discovery mm -hmm. uh, for young people who surround themselves with noise. But I know that there's another and deeper experience, and you're kind of alluding to this earlier, because discovering those, those peaceful encounters with God in periods of silence is a bit like somebody withdrawing into the cabin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but how do you actually then take the cabin into the business of life? Mm -hmm. So at St. Therese, what was a discovery for you in your time here at St. Therese? And maybe you can even speak about currently as an apostolic year student of taking that place of silence into the busyness of life whether it's you know, mealtime, the chores, a game of cribbage, cribbage <clears throat> floor hockey in the gym, mm. you know, whatever. Uh, how do you maintain that mm. silence? Mm. 
I think one thing that I would say about that is <coughs> that it comes down to like a disposition of of just of just waiting in openness to what God is going to speak to me in the moment, um, whether that's through a person and being and being open and available to to whomever it is that you know comes across my way throughout the day, um, but having the disposition of heart of like, hey Lord, what what will you be speaking to me through this? Um, which isn't necessarily a conscious thought that I have in the back of my mind, but um, just like more something that, that I think I'm growing in and, and wanting to, to live out, just that attitude of, okay, what, what is being spoken to me? Because um, so often God does speak through the circumstances and the people in our lives. Mm. Um, and so developing that, just that posture of listening um, and of being ready to receive and ready to, ready to hear what God has to say to me in the moment, um, whether that's floor hockey um, mm. or watching a movie or having a conversation with somebody at a meal. Mm. Um, but just like that readiness to hear. Cool. I know from my own experience, and maybe you just comment on this, my own experience, I have the sense of uh, not withdrawing, but uh, retreating in the, in the right sense. Mm-hmm. So not, it's not really a withdrawal, but coming into that place of silence in my heart, of encounter with God for the express purpose of being able to live from that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maintaining that, uh, maintaining that uh, or try, striving to maintain that intimacy uh, in the silence of my heart with God, and then no matter how much busyness there's around me, mm-hmm. uh, being able to live from that place of union. Mm-hmm. So very much for me, it's, uh, uh, it's activity flowing from that place of, mm-hmm. of con- contemplation, which I strive to do as, as a way of, as our Lord says, pray always, mm-hmm. of praying always. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I think the beauty of that is that the more that we're aware of God's presence within us, the more that we see that reflected around us. And the more, the more we know the face of the beloved within, um, the more familiar he is when, he, when we see him outside um, of our own hearts and the more we're able to recognize him. Um, so there's like a, a constant like enriching that happens. Um, mm-hmm. well, let me ask you maybe a funny question, but you know, how are you living that right now? Here we are in the middle of an interview. Uh, and I know this was kind of sprung on you last minute, just this morning. It's like, hey, Rebecca, would you be willing? So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, how would you say that right here in this context, you're living Pustini of the mm-hmm. heart? It's funny because I was in adoration right before this. Um, and I was just kind of praying in preparation. I'm like, hey, Lord, what, what do you want me to speak? Um, and it was just silence. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm going to speak. Um, but just allowing myself to be and allowing Christ just to, to speak through me and to just be my words and to just have one ear in the Holy Spirit um, as I'm talking. Um, and sometimes I'll say something, I'll be like, oh, that was, that was Rebecca. <laughs> that was just me trying to, trying to fill the space. Um, but in just, in just listening and seeing, just being led by a thread um, as to what the words are and what, what I'm meant to say, um, mm-hmm, which is a little way I think that in this moment I'm trying to be open <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and speak out of that place of silence. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Cool. If somebody's wanting to learn a little bit more about the notions of Pustinia as Catherine teaches them, where would you direct them? Probably to Pustinia itself. It's, <laughs> I think something that I love about Pustinia is that Catherine Doherty is very, is very real um, and uses a good sense of, she, ha, she has a good sense of humor, which just makes it that much more enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, a, it's a good read. It's, it takes you, it takes you deep um, and it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, which I think is a good thing. And I think we could all use Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Cause now I remember you in the first year being so struck. Oh, I always remember you in class being so struck by <laughs> ideas. It's just fun to teach you. <laughs> you have this expression on your face of just of eagerness, openness, and mm-hmm. hunger for, for knowledge, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit of a, a teacher's dream. So thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I remember, especially with the notion of Pustinia, mm-hmm. how, how excited you were about that 
and, uh, and seeing you really enter into that notion and live it deeply. Coming back for a second year then with this being the ISP, there's the whole other component of your ISP because you're speaking about the pristine of the heart and the mm -hmm. notions that we've been discussing here. But a time of digital, digital restlessness, restlessness. Mm -hmm. curious notion. So what brought that onto the proverbial radar screen mm -hmm. or GPS, shall we say, in digital? <laughs> <laughs> um, so much of that arose from uh, my experience in the summer between my first year and my second year. Um, and you know, you're living in community and you're developing these beautiful relationships. Um, and then all of a sudden, you just kind of go home for the summer um, and feel like a, a keen poverty and a keen ache um, of not being with these people and of you know trying to preserve some connection, um, but you know you're unsure how to do that and just and just realizing um, that I, I was a bit frustrated just with technology and how that how that fell short. Um, so I came into my second year knowing like well I'm going to write about technology and how terrible it is <laughs> mm. for for human connection. I think there's a lot of bitterness um, just towards communications media and how it how it falls short and how it doesn't fulfill that that need for connection. Um, and I think in coming into my second year, realizing, OK, this is, this is all well and good. Um, but there's still no, no real answer. Um, and there's still no real, no real positive in answer to this negative. Um, and so reflecting, like, what, what, is, what is the answer to this? And what is the answer to, um, to this ache? Um, and the idea from that just arose that you know it is it is silence and it is um, taking that that ache for communion and for connection and directing it towards towards God um, and allowing that to affect your relationships with others and allowing it allowing you to um, to be more authentic in your relationship with others. Um, so it was kind of it was an answer to that to that heart cry of this isn't enough this isn't fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's interesting because uh, millennials and post-millennials or iGens, these generations, mm -hmm. are so locked into technology. Mm -hmm. The, the uh, almost implant of the phone, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, that constant connection. Uh, and certainly we, we recognize at St. Therese there's a challenge with technology. Mm -hmm. uh, what have your reflections been on that, that connection, that deep connection to connectivity and technology? How have you stepped away from that? Mm. Hmm. I think, and yet stayed connected stayed because connected. it's a part of life. Yeah, and I think it comes down to that recognition there needs to be an integration and not, you, know, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because um, I think the temptation on one hand is to, is to you know, overindulge and to just be attached to that and to, um, to have that be the central focus of your life. Um, but on the other hand, I think there's, um, there can be a tendency to just want to just throw the whole thing away and just dismiss all of it. Um, but I think recognizing my own life a need for a need for integration, um, and I think especially just in this time of living in a pandemic where you know your your options <laughs> for connection are limited, um, there is a right ordered place for communications media in our lives and an mm. important one um, because these relationships do need to be sustained. Like it's it's important that we stay in healthy communication with one another. Um, and so, yeah, having that on one side, knowing that it's good to integrate and we need to learn how to use it properly. Um, and I think in my own life, just, just recognizing that I have to do a bit of an examination of conscience <laughs> um, as, I'm, as I'm using social media and as I'm using technology. Of, um, is this directing me towards my relationship with God? Is this directing me towards healthy relationships with others? Um, 
Am I being distracted from what I'm being called to in this moment? Um, and sometimes, sometimes it is necessary in my relationships with others, um, and sometimes it isn't. And so learning to discern where, what is the good being brought out of this and what is the fruit, um, or is this just me trying to distract myself from, um, from what might be difficult and what, from what might be hard to accept, um, or trying to distract from myself from, from loneliness, mm. um, rather than using it as a, as a way to make authentic connection. You mentioned the pandemic, but perhaps we can just set that aside for the time being, come back to that. But you also mentioned um, uh, integration mm -hmm. a number of times. So that's clearly a key concept mm -hmm. to you. Um, and you also mentioned the, oh, I don't know, my mind now completely slipped. So much for good interview <laughs> skills. Um, uh, yeah, so let's start with integration. Okay. Uh, that one. What do you mean by integration? Mm -hmm. So this is a notion that I've been very excited about recently. <laughs> mm. So it's been coming up. Um, I can just hear it in my words. It's, it's a good word. Um, but essentially what I mean by integration is just um, the idea of taking, taking all elements of your life um, and recognizing that everything that you do affects every other part of your person. Um, and that you can't isolate different aspects of your life. Um, but that there's a, there's a right ordered place for everything and for every aspect of your person, whether that's you know, spiritual or emotional um, mm. or mental or spiritual, or I said spiritual, um, or psychological um, and social, and how all these things form and inform one another. Um, and the different aspects and areas of our life all affect one another. Um, and the activities that we do affect every other aspect of our life. And so learning to bring those things into, into like a whole um, recognizing that all these things have an effect on who we are as people. Interesting. I was chatting with somebody recently who was discussing that there's actually a difference between integration and balance. Yeah, that was me. Oh, that was <laughs> you. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. That's yeah. funny. It all is a blur. Well, why don't you, because uh, I thought that was an interesting mm -hmm. notion. Clearly, I've been pondering that for a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could express, what is there a difference? Are they the same? Mm -hmm. What do we mean, integration, balance? Right. So this was actually a notion that, um, that came up from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. They have a podcast that I was listening to over the Christmas break. Um, oh, the competition. Uh, the competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of, the, one of the priests was talking about yeah, the difference between balance and integration and how, um, well, balance is, is a good thing and it's good to have, you know, have a balance of things going on in our lives. The danger there is that in striving for balance, we're separating the aspects of our life where it's like, okay, well, a balanced life would be to have one hour of prayer in the morning, um, and then have one hour of you know, physical activity, um, where an integrated life is a shift in, in your perspective and your understanding that, um, that your prayer doesn't just end um, with that one hour, but that it carries on into the rest of your day um, in your physical exercise and your physical activity. Um, and that nothing, nothing is separate, is nothing is separate um, from any other aspect in your life. Um, and that even like your your state of physical well-being affects your state of spiritual well-being and vice versa. Um, and there's an interplay there. Um, so it's not just about living a balanced life where everything is in its place and everything um, has a certain amount of time allotted, but recognizing that everything affects everything else. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So it strikes me, and been pondering since we were chatting earlier, forgive me for forgetting it was you, <laughs> um, but that notion of balance really speaks almost of uh, compartmentalization. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like we're just putting it into little compartments. Uh, how is that not, though, uh, Pustini of the heart? How is the Pustini of the heart not a compartment that mm -hmm. we retreat to? Mm -hmm. um, how does that actually lead to integration rather right. than this notion of just 
compartmentalized balance. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to the understanding that you, you carry your pastinia and your heart with you everywhere. And that whole idea of your prayer not just stopping at that hour that you spend in the morning praying, um, but that your life becomes a prayer and your life becomes that continual dialogue and conversation with God, um, even if it's not like explicit mental dialogue with God. Um, I think the same thing can be said of, of pastinia of the heart. Um, There's not a compartmentalization where it's just limited to, to one time or one, one area of your life. Um, but that, that it carries forward and it carries through. And it's part of everything that you're doing. And it's part of every interaction that you have. Um, because there's a sense of availability where you're, where you're open to wherever God is calling you in that moment. Um, hmm. Whatever that may be. Uh, interesting. Just as you're chatting, I'm thinking of uh, these notions. Um, and it seems that the encounter in the Pustinia with God is an encounter with the Trinity, which is not a matter of balance, mm -hmm. but always a matter of integration. Yeah. You know, the three persons of the Trinity and their fundamental unity. Mm -hmm. So it seems that going to the Pustinia, rather than being compartmentalized, actually we encounter the principle of integration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, integrity, one of the gifts that we had in the garden that was lost. Integrity, one of the gifts that will be bestowed upon us uh, in, the, in the general resurrection, uh, the entrance of beatific vision. So perhaps that all begins right now, and Pustinia of the Heart would mm -hmm. be one of those places of, of deep, or the, where we encounter that principle of integ integration, the principle being our encounter with God. Just some thoughts there. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'd forgotten earlier, but I remember now, <laughs> was you were, you were saying things like um, uh, when, you're, when you're encountering uh, the use of, the, uh, of technology, social media, phone, et cetera, of, you know, how is this drawing me closer to God? You know, how is this helping my love my neighbor? Those are questions that arise from a process of discernment. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could comment on that, you know, the notion of postinia, the heart, and uh, living that. And how much does that have to do with discernment? Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with discernment, and I think it has a lot to do with self-knowledge um, and, and being aware to your own, to what's going on in your mind and what's going on in your heart. Um, and I think, I think you know, if you're, if you're aware and if you're present to your own heart and to your own mind, you start to see which things are life-giving and which things um, bring you joy and bring you peace, um, and which things don't, which things upset your peace and cause you to be troubled. Um, and I think that's kind of the litmus test for me. I know if I'm in a place where, where I'm troubled and I'm losing my sense of peace, um, it's like, is this, is this a good thing? Um, and I think there's a difference between being convicted um, and experiencing, you know, being, being shaken up and being, um, you know, convicted in the right ways. Um, and then just like experiencing a disquiet. Um, and so just being attentive to your own, to your own inner thoughts and feelings um, and paying attention to yeah, what, what is giving you life and what is causing you to be burdened. Um, as a slight aside, mm -hmm. um, I know in a lot of our reading and reflecting on Pope Francis, mm. uh, it seems that integration and discernment uh, are principles that he uh, continues to, mm -hmm. to reintroduce in his writings. Uh, is there any of his thoughts that are occurring to you, I'm kind of putting you on the spot mm -hmm. right here, but <laughs> that occur to you now uh, that would kind of resonate or hum with this same vibe? Mm -hmm. um, at the moment, I can't think of anything specific. I'm a little bit out of loss is, is anything specific that he says. Um, but yeah, just that general overtone of um, always speaking about, you know, especially in his, in his letter to young people in Christus Vivit, um, kind of this whole notion of, you know, you were made for such a time as this. Um, and there's a way to use, to use these means that we have available to, to build up communion um, and to evangelize, which is something he spends a lot of time talking about. Um, that, you know, youth can evangelize to youth um, 
using the language that they know. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so he's striving to, to, to say, these are, you have these tools. Um, you have these tools at your disposal. Um, so be able to use those for, for the glory of God. As you reflect on the, on the letter Christus Vivit, which is a letter to young people, and we studied that here mm -hmm. and walked through that in an exciting document, um, you would have been working on your ISP and reflecting very recently on the findings of your ISP. Mm -hmm. Do you recall any connection with uh, either re reading Christus Vivit and finding that the Holy Father's words were informing your understanding of the postini of the heart in mm -hmm. this age of digital restlessness, or that the findings of your ISP were informing your reading of the document? Mm. I remember distinctly reading Christus Vivid after I'd handed in my final draft of the ISP. I'm like, oh, I could have used this. Because <laughs> um, it was very much resonating with what I had written. Um, especially in, in how he talks about the importance of accompaniment and of young people accompanying one another and being with one another and establishing those authentic relationships and how that is so important um, in, in the formation and in the growth of young people um, to, be, to be having those authentic relationships um, where they're drawing each other on to greater holiness. So growing from that, that notion of wanting to be able to encounter and accompany, uh, maybe we can discuss the, the, the matter of the pandemic that we've been mm -hmm. in and what's happened over the past year. Uh, because it's interesting thinking about you know, the notions, even just in the title of your ISP, Pustini of the Heart in an Age of Digital Restlessness, you know, with the isolation that we've been encountering that's really cut us off in so much of the communion mm -hmm. of persons. It's almost as if it's been a bit of an enforced going back into the little rooms mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> and cabins of solitude and aloneness, mm -hmm. which potentially has not been an integrating experience for many, mm -hmm. not brought balance to many, uh, and perhaps actually aggravated digital restlessness, mm -hmm. particularly with uh, uh, an increased dependence, possibly even necessity of the digital media to try and remain connected. What do you think? What's been your reflections over the last year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely something that I've experienced in this time as well, um, of being isolated and being apart. Um, and I think in the first couple of months of, you know, of the pandemic and of being at home and of being isolated, um, realizing that I was using technology as a distraction um, because, because there's so much fear and there's so much unknown. Um, and there's kind of like this desperate, like, oh, I, I need to make some kind of human connection um, and then just recognizing, just seeing that and seeing that in myself, um, and like, what am I running away from? What am I, what am I hiding from in this? Um, and so having to make a conscious effort to, to step away at times, um, and, and some things, you know, I would have to use the internet for it. Like, you know, for example, we had St. Therese, um, meetings and Zoom calls that were happening online, which was good and which was life-giving, um, but recognizing there were other things that weren't. Um, and so having to step away and be a little bit uncomfortable in that, in that loneliness and in that, um, that kind of fear of the unknown um, and recognize that, that God was speaking to me in that and God was wanting to, to offer me consolation um, and offer me hope. Um, and some of that was coming through the interactions, the encounters that I was having <laughs> through, through communications media and through um, good old FaceTime um, conversations with, with people. Um, but also that very immediately in my surroundings, um, and in being with my family and, and having conversations with my parents um, and being able to go and take walks out in the country um, and, just, and just enjoy nature um, and realize that there are other ways that the God is bringing me consolation and bringing me peace um, that I just, have to, I just have to look around and see. Good. 
How have your reflections then on what you studied in your ISP deepened for you personally? I'm wondering if you could give um, maybe some tangible, a couple of tangible experiences of where you found that what you had learned and what you've been studying was really paying you, paying forward and helping you in this time. Mm -hmm. You've kind of alluded to a couple, but I wonder, by way of testimony, mm -hmm. what would you mm -hmm. say, some personal experiences? Mm -hmm. I think, um, for one thing, just in the wake of that, of that writing process um, and of that journey of, of journeying through yeah, the idea of Pustinia, um, just recognizing, especially in this, in this past year as, a, um, as an apostolic year student and in my encounters with, with the people here, um, just recognizing the importance of, of being attentive and of listening um, to the person right before me, um, which is something that I think there has been growth in, um, where there's just like that, I, I know that I'm meant to be in this moment with this person um, and be able to just give that person my undivided attention. Um, so that's been a little way just, just recently um, as, a, as a stay student um, that's been lived out and incarnated. Mm -hmm. Excellent, thank you. Um, with the ISP, um, how has this deepened your, your reflection on study, just personally? Because mm -hmm. we study as students, we have to. But uh, did this change anything for you? It's a bit of a leading question, I know, because <laughs> that's the general idea. What's your approach to study now mm -hmm. as part mm -hmm. of your spiritual life? Absolutely. I think with the ISP in particular, the first, the first half of the year as I was writing my ISP, it was very much just an intellectual exercise. I was like, okay, well, I'll hammer these ideas out. I'll have them all here. They'll be all nice and neat and tidy. Um, and then halfway through the year, kind of just like looking at what I had and all these, you know, these very intelligent thoughts um, and ideas, I mean, like, I, I don't actually know how this is affecting me personally. Is this affecting me personally? Um, and realizing that I wasn't taking these ideas to heart. Um, and so then there was kind of this whole reorientation, this whole process of taking these ideas and like, okay, these, these mean something for me. Um, and I think that's just, yeah, since then an attitude that I've had towards studying and towards um, any kind of intellectual pursuit. Um, and again, it comes back to the idea of integration that what I, what I study has direct implications um, on my spiritual life and on my emotional life. Um, and so at this point, um, having study as, as a way to, to go deeper into an encounter with Christ, um, and that encounter with truth, um, leading me to, to a deeper place of, of love, um, and a deeper place of conversion and of change, um, where it doesn't just stop in my head, it, it has to go deeper. And I'm, mm. and I'm seeing that and I'm growing in that. Um, yeah, so it doesn't end. So studying from the Pustinia of the heart, mm -hmm. studying yeah. in the Pustinia yeah, of the heart. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, maybe I can ask you just two pieces of advice, if mm -hmm. you were to offer two pieces of advice. So one coming from the, the, the findings that you made in your, in your research on your ISP, and then how you've been living that. What, what counsel would you offer to your peers mm -hmm. in this time, who are trying to grow in their faith, are really wrestling with uh, the isolation and the seclusion and the the sense of limitation and restriction and the dangers of you know, uh, uh, the distraction that comes from the digital mm -hmm. age, what counsel would you offer them? Mm -hmm. I think if I could say one thing, it would be don't be afraid of silence and don't be afraid of being uncomfortable and don't be afraid of, of taking some time and just intentionally putting aside um, your phone or your computer um, and don't be afraid to just stand in that. Um, 
because Christ is waiting to meet us in that discomfort and in that ache. Um, and that's, that's where, our, like, where our fulfillment is found and where our desire for relationship, where the satisfaction of that is found, is found truly in Christ. Um, so to, to be unafraid to, to make that time for silence and for stillness. Um, and also, as, as a flip side to that, um, when you're engaging in, um, in social media and in communicating, um, to just be aware of Christ's presence with you in that. Um, and again, just carrying that awareness forward that, that you are not alone. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier uh, the notion of freedom too. Mm-hmm. How would that factor in? You know, discernment for the sake of integration leading to freedom. How important is freedom in all of this to mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. I think freedom is important in that you, know, you need to know your identity. You need to know who you are in Christ. Um, and you need to know where, where your ultimate happiness is found. Um, and that you're not looking to, to social media as an antidote um, to loneliness and to, to that ache um, for communion, which is only found in Christ. Um, and so having the freedom to know that and to know, okay, I'm not, this is not going to be everything for me. This isn't going to be my ultimate happiness. Um, so I can't expect social media um, to be the, you know, to be the fulfillment of all my happiness. Um, and so kind of being able to release that, which allows us to, to engage it in a more right-ordered way, um, knowing that it is good when it's right-ordered, but it's not everything. And you'd mentioned freedom earlier, but maybe um, uh, an obvious thing is, what do you mean by freedom? You personally, mm-hmm. Rebecca, mm-hmm. what is freedom to you? Mm-hmm. I think freedom for me personally is um, to be detached. Um, and that isn't to be uninterested or to be not invested. Um, but freedom in that I don't need like anything other than Christ at the end of the day, um, which is easy to say and hard to live. <laughs> Because um, I think we make a lot of needs for ourselves. Um, yeah, but just that recognition that, yeah, that my only, the only thing that I need is Christ and his relationship with Christ. Mm. Now, in the restlessness of the digital age, a lot of the presentation that freedom is going to, and there's a lot of freedom that's spoken mm-hmm. about there, but a lot of the notion of freedom that we encounter in the world is one that says nobody should limit your ability to choose whatever you want to mm-hmm. choose and express yourself however you want to express yourself. Um, that freedom is, uh, is really just the ability to do, to do whatever you want, be whatever mm-hmm. you want, say whatever you want, uh, the freedom from limitations mm-hmm. or restrictions in that way. How would you comment on that? Hmm. I think counter that with, with the idea of, of freedom for excellence, which is you know, the freedom to, that freedom is ordered towards the good. Um, so it's important that we have freedom so that we're able to choose what is good. Um, and if we're... I think especially like in, the case of, in the case of social media, um, if we're compulsively trying to enter into that and trying to find some kind of stimulation or satisfaction, um, we're not actually free to choose what is good because we're just consuming whatever comes our way. Mm. Um, so being able to, to know coming into it um, what you're looking for and what, what you want um, and being able to have the freedom to choose what is good and what is beautiful and what is true um, rather than just kind of consuming left and right, trying to find some kind of antidote to this hunger, um, but knowing what you're looking for. Beautiful. 
Okay, I'd ask for two pieces of, mm. of advice that you might offer. So the first one directly connected with your ISP. And now more generally, just in the notion of study, um, what are you studying right now? Has this continued on? Mm -hmm. I think it's <laughs> in, my, in my third year here, um, there's a bit of a like, oh, I, I wish I was writing another ISP. That was last year. That was last year, yeah. yeah. So um, I was like, well, I'll just do it. I'll just <laughs> write another ISP um, just for my own sake and for my own, uh, my own just personal growth. Um, so I started researching um, another notion that it kind of caught my attention arising out of the experience of my first independent study project. Um, and that's this idea of, of purification of love and purification of desire, which is a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but realizing that, okay, this is, this is something that's coming up in my prayer and in my spiritual life. This is an idea that I don't quite understand um, and that I want to take deeper. And so taking that topic and starting to research and read into that um, and recognizing how important that is for me as somebody who, who loves truth and who encounters Christ primarily through truth. Um, and that knowing that in studying, I'm coming to a fuller understanding of who, of who Jesus is in my oh. life. Um, is drawing me deeper into my spiritual life. Um, and it's also just, I think, just, just healthy for me to be engaging and wrestling with ideas. Um, and it's just keeping my mind, <laughs> keeping my mind working. Um, and as well, just taking me things deeper um, in my own emotional life and in healing, um, hmm. recognizing you know, areas of brokenness and areas of woundedness um, and seeing how all these, all these things tie in and all these things connect. Um, and so I think studying and continuing to pursue, you know, independent study projects in one way or another. Um, if you let it can be a really beautiful encounter like with healing, with transformation and with conversion. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds like integration and discernment. Exactly. Uh, and freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. So what are you studying now? Hmm. I'm studying, uh, I'm currently reading or reviewing uh, C.S. Lewis, Lewis's The Four Loves. Um, which is where my study of purification of love and purification of desire has, has led me. Um, so that's been on my, on my bookshelf. Mm. Mm. And what do you anticipate doing with the fruit of this research? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to, to write a paper <laughs> yeah. um, and, to, and to share that, um, and to share those notions. Um, I think I'm very much in, at this point just still in the process of, um, of wrestling with these ideas and, and of and of going through that conversion and that, that acceptance um, of, what, of what it means to have, to have your love purified and to have your love, um, yeah, to, to grow in freedom essentially, which is what this one is about also. It all comes down to, to growing in freedom um, and to growing in detachment. So what's more important to you in the whole process of studying? Is it actually producing a paper that will be read by people? Hmm. Or is it just exploring the ideas? Hmm. I think it's a both end, because um, right now I'm, I'm very much involved in the process and it's very much affecting me personally. Um, but also knowing as I'm as I'm doing this that this is something that I that I want to share and that I want to, um, you know, be able to bring others into an understanding of, um, which is also just a desire that I have in my heart is to be able to share truth and to share knowledge. Um, so it's a both end. It's like the current, the present is me wrestling with these ideas and and growing and learning. Um, but also knowing that part of this is will be for others. Um, so there's, there's a both end. Okay. Uh, so now it leads to the question that I had asked uh, or was leading up to earlier of, of a, a word of advice or counsel. 
What would you suggest to young Christians, and maybe some not so young Christians, <laughs> uh, as to the importance of study mm. in, in the spiritual journey and in the spiritual life? Uh, what counsel would you offer mm. from mm. your own experience? Mm -hmm. I think um, paying attention to, to the things that speak to your heart. Because um, God knows the language of our hearts and knows, knows how to catch our attention. And so often if there's an idea or a notion that's, that's catching our attention, it's because God wants us to take it deeper. Um, and so being able to, to, to notice those things um, and study them, whether it's just you know, listening to a podcast or reading a book, um, and however, however much you do that and however you, know, you can take it to the point of writing a paper about it, um, or you can take it to the point of reading an article about it. Um, but to be able to, to engage that um, is, it all ties back into to Pustinia and to listening um, and to being responsive to, to how God is, is speaking to you through those, those little things that grab your attention. Um, mm -hmm. Now, it seems to me that study would be something that would come quite naturally to you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're intrigued by the intellectual life that naturally attracts you. You'd mentioned earlier that the voice of God of truth mm -hmm. speaks very deeply to your heart. Um, um, and frankly, you enjoy studying. Mm -hmm. you know, I, again, <laughs> as I just enjoyed teaching you and enjoy teaching you because of that natural hunger that you have for these things. What would you say to your peers? Um, that may not be so intrigued by the intellectual life, uh, that maybe it's not the voice of truth that speaks compellingly to the heart, but uh, the one, the good. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and that study, frankly, has been a challenge. Uh, how would you encourage them as, as integrating study as a part mm -hmm. of life? Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to, um, again, knowing there's different levels and different capacities in which you can study. Um, for some people, it will be very much like an intellectual, academic process. Um, and for some people, not as much. Um, and just knowing, knowing what works for you and knowing what, what you have access to um, and what, what you're able to, to fit in and what you're able to do. Um, and that, yeah, that could just be listening to a podcast um, and finding, finding out how, just knowing how God speaks to you. Yeah, and like you were saying, some people, it will be primarily through beauty. Um, which is also a valid, a valid form of study of you know turning on a beautiful piece of, of music, um, and being able to to process that. Um, there's different aspects and different ways that we can study. Um, yeah, and being able to to integrate as you know as appropriate and as works in your life. Mm. Mm -hmm. I uh, I call to mind a couple of past uh, students, past stays having gone through the ISP process. And these were fellows who were a, a, a little more, a lot more inclination to the practical, mm. you know, hands-on aspects of life um, that uh, certainly not uh, opposed to the world of ideas, but that was not you know, something that they were naturally predisposed towards. Uh, and yet both, uh, both of these fellows that I'm thinking of uh, did research independently on their own apart from the have-to of school assignments. Mm -hmm. um, but what I saw with them was just the, as you'd mentioned, it was the whole process, uh, the work of processing ideas, mm -hmm. engaging ideas, in order to integrate mm -hmm. them into the practical applications of life. Uh, I was very edified by that, mm -hmm. to see that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking, of course, of, of Dean mm -hmm. Hamp, yeah. uh, Jacob Dusterhoff. Yeah. Um, there have been others, too, that have, uh, that have engaged ideas in that way and written. Mm -hmm. uh, for the purpose of integration, discernment. Mm -hmm. um, and I would suggest, as a, as a teacher, uh, for a deepening of the soul mm -hmm. and a deepening of the heart. Mm -hmm. 
a notion perhaps that's occurring to me now that perhaps you can comment on it, an idea of uh, renovations of the pustinia mm. of the heart. <laughs> How do we make a more solid, uh, mm. build the foundation for the pustinia of the heart, decorate mm -hmm. the pustinia mm -hmm. of the heart through our study or encounter with truth? Mm. Thoughts? I'm just, it's <laughs> occurring to me that you know, any space you go into that somebody inhabits is going to look different according to, to their interests and their tastes. Mm. Um, and yeah, you walk into the space of anybody, and you can, you can get an idea of who that person is just by the books that are on their shelves, by the throw pillows that they have on their couch. Um, and so the same thing applies to, to you know, learning and growing through studying, is that whatever, whatever appeals to you is going to be what you're going to be called deeper into. Um, I'm just thinking of, of Jacob Dusterhoff, too, um, you were mentioning, who wrote his ISP on um, C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, mm -hmm. which is something that very deeply appealed to, to his heart and to his imagination. Um, and that was something that he just enjoyed and that was edifying for him, um, which might not have been in the case of someone else. Um, so, so knowing what you, what you love and knowing what speaks to you, um, and it doesn't have to be boring. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be interesting um, mm. because it can be adapted to, to what your particular interests are. And even the fruit of it, too. Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be translated into a paper. It can be translated yeah. into a meal beautifully cooked, yeah. um, a life beautifully lived, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. deeper connection with people, all sorts of different ways. Beautiful. Rebecca, thank you very much for being with us. It's been Absolutely. an interesting discussion. I'm looking forward to seeing how things unfold in the future. And, and maybe you can share your study of the four loves and some of the thoughts that you I have. I'm sure that we'll engage that. Do you have any final words you'd like to share with our, our listeners, just generally? Just generally. What's the spirit speaking to your heart in the pustini of your heart right mm. now? <laughs> um, I think just the word that is coming to me um, is that you know, Christ is waiting. Um, and that Christ is waiting in this moment. And Christ is, is constantly knocking at the doors of our hearts and the doors of our pustinia. Um, and he's just waiting for us to open it um, and to let him in and to let him transform. Um, and in whatever way, shape, or form that takes, um, yeah, that he's wanting to encounter each of us um, in the silence of our hearts. Good. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And thank you all for joining us today uh, on Little Wayward. And um, certainly our conversation, a little wayward this way and that <laughs> way, uh, but very fruitful. I'm, I'm, I'm edified. So thank you. Um, if you've enjoyed this, please, uh, please like it, share it. Uh, Feel free to be in touch with us. I'm sure Rebecca would be happy to, to, uh, to be in communication as well. Um, and please join us again uh, next time. Thank you very much, and God bless you as we can carry on uh, the little way in companionship in Christ.